This is Deacon Greg sharing Walking in the Way of Love, Worship. Sorry that today's podcast is coming out so late. I had physical therapy this morning, and it kind of uh, was harder than I planned on it being. Um, so, But today I'm going to share um, a wonderful sermon by Father T.J. Humphrey from St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Beloit, Wisconsin. Years ago, I had a vision. This vision was so powerful that it actually propelled me down the path to the priesthood, drove me in the direction of ordained ministry. Uh, what got me, got me wound up with one of these things. <laughs> vision was that important to me. Uh, I'm not sure I actually would have sought to become a priest without it, uh, truth be told. I usually keep this vision pretty close to the chest because it's such an intimate part of my own journey, but more importantly because it, it's more like a it's more of a message to me than to anybody else. So there's not much use in sharing it um, frequently or really at all. And yet there is an angle of it that I think will prove to be a little bit helpful this morning as we try to wrap our minds around Paul's words to the Philippians. So this vision that I had it came to me in three parts. In the first part, there was a great journey, and in the second part, there was a great battle. Now, I knew what these first two parts meant while I was dreaming them. They were clearly, to me, metaphors for something that was going on in my life at the time, in real life. But the final part confused me. The final part actually kind of let me down a little bit initially, too. And this is the part that I want to share with you. In the vision, I came into a house after the great journey and the great battle had ended. And a heavenly figure greeted me at the door. She was glorious beyond compare. I couldn't even look her in the eyes. She was just that luminous, that radiant. And she embraced me. And she noted, she said to me, that I had been through quite an ordeal. And as I rested in her arms, she said, he's waiting for you in the other room. Now, I had no idea who the he was exactly, or why he, whoever he was, was waiting for me in the other room. But I remember in the vision, thinking to myself, I desperately hope that it's Jesus, that I can finally behold the Christ face to face. So I walked into this other room, it was at the back of the house, and I had to go down a long hallway to get there. As I'm walking down the hallway, eager to figure out who this figure is, I'm looking through the door, I could see a man. He was standing there uh, with his back turned towards me. But he was clearly a priestly figure. He had a long black robe on. And this is well before the time I was hanging out with any other priestly figures. This was years ago. But as I got closer to the entryway to the room, he slowly turned to face me. And as I crossed the threshold, it was one of those moments where I knew that I knew him, but I couldn't quite place it. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that feeling, where you like you know you know somebody, but you don't know how you know them exactly. But he too 
like the heavenly figure at the front of the house beckoned me to come near, and he embraced me. And he didn't say a word, and he didn't have to, honestly. There was something about his presence that communicated everything that I needed to know about him, more than words could ever express. I mean, I could feel in my bones that this was a man who had overcome quite a lot, that he was a man who was steeped in wisdom, that he was a man who was a spiritual warrior, deep in prayer. And the final thought that rushed through my head was this was a man that I knew that I wanted to be like someday. And with that final thought, the moment of clarity came, the fog lifted, the light bulb went off, and I recognized him. It was me, or he was me. I mean, what a horrible letdown. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> it's a pretty devastating blow when you think you're going to behold Jesus, but then you only see yourself. <laughs> uh, I was very disappointed. And I was pretty juvenile in my thinking at that time and my spirituality whenever this vision was given to me. And so I didn't fully understand it at the time. I'm not sure I still do, to be honest with you. But at the time, all I could guess was that perhaps this is God's way of giving me a vision of my future self. I knew that after the vision had ended, that part of what the meaning was, was that it was a vision about me coming home to myself. And even with the confusion and the letdown, uh, the vision was a breath of fresh air in so many ways, because during that time in my life, I definitely felt off. Oh, this is a hard feeling to describe, I'm sure you can relate to it. I felt like I wasn't at peace with myself. I was at odds with myself. I wasn't at home in myself. And I'd spent years not feeling like myself. So my initial reaction to this vision was just to see this as a vision of my future and to strive after it. So I did. Uh, I reacted just that way. I forgot what was behind me, and I strove to become this future version of myself, to become just like this man. But I found this, too, to be an exhausting ordeal. No matter how hard I disciplined myself, giving myself over to fasting and all kinds of, all hours of prayer, it always seemed as though the fulfillment of this vision, it was always on the horizon. It always evaded me. I couldn't become the me that I wanted to become. I couldn't live into this vision. Somewhere along the way, somewhere during the seminary, I realized that this wasn't the purpose of the vision. I realized that I was never meant to strive to try to become something that I am not, but that I'm to strive to uncover that which I already am. And I realized that the man in this vision of mine, it wasn't a future version of myself as much as he was the deepest version of who I already was. To put it in psychological terms, he was the revelation of the true self when I had been living in a season where I was living under the tyranny of the false self. And this vision wasn't a depiction of a future time. It was the revelation of everything that I was meant to be in the present moment. It wasn't about becoming something else. It was just about learning to let things be just as they are. I share this part of my vision with you this morning because St. Paul is using, what seems to us anyways, a lot of future-type language. Paul is pressing on toward a heavenly prize, and this heavenly prize is knowing Jesus Christ and the power 
Christ's resurrection. And Paul is inviting his hearers to press on along with him. And he talks about how our citizenship is in heaven and how from heaven we are awaiting a savior to come to us. And since we don't experience this heavenly reality on a daily basis, or at least we don't think we do, nor do we think that we are experiencing the Savior's coming to us in normal everyday life, we just assume that Paul is talking about some delayed future stuff here, some end times sort of stuff here. And Paul also talks about how in Jesus' coming to us, he will transform our current bodies into glorious bodies. So again, we simply, oh, when we look in the mirror these days, we look at ourselves, and the last thing that most of us think is, wow, glory. So again, we simply assume that Paul is talking about some future event, some future transformation. But here's the thing. Biblical authors, including Paul, they did not think about heaven or transformation or time or the unfolding of history in this type of way. History and time, they were not linear things to these authors because God was above time. And God's interactions with history and time had a way of defying them both. It was not as though the outpouring of heaven or the coming of the Messiah or the transformation of the body, it's not as though these were seen as impending upcoming events. They were all things, all of them, that were on the cusp of breaking loose into everyday life in the here and now. Jesus didn't preach that the kingdom of God is coming. He preached the kingdom of God's nearness. So the striving that Paul is talking about is not the striving after some end of life or end of time event. The striving is about becoming that which we already are. We don't need to acquire heaven. We just need to learn how to manifest it. We don't need to obtain Christ. We just need to acknowledge that we've already been obtained by Christ. We don't need to achieve glory. We just need to let our innate glory spill out. Many of us, if you're like me at least, we will best strive by stopping all of our striving. We will become more saintly whenever we stop trying to be the saint. We will become more glorious whenever we stop chasing glory. We will find resurrection whenever we stop trying to revive ourselves, when we learn to let ourselves rest in the hands of our Maker. And we will become more heavenly whenever we stop striving after heaven as if, it's, as if we don't already fully have it. I know these days, especially these days, many Christians would accuse me of preaching cheap grace here that I'm making the Christian journey far too easy on people by telling them that they already have everything that they need. And I beg to differ. It's actually just the opposite. My preaching actually makes things harder on people than those sermons, those preachers who feel the need to goad and to shame people into action all the time. After all, it's much easier to try to earn grace than it is to let yourself accept it. It is much easier to try to make yourself more lovable than it is to accept the fact that you are already fully loved, warts and all, brokenness and all. It is much easier to try to become glorious than it is to accept the fact that you already are glorious, 
just the way that you are, just the way that God has made you. We let our pride smother our greatness. Because we cherish the idea of being self-made, and there's nothing inherently wrong with this idea of being self-made. But oftentimes the self that we make is the false self. So it's easier to perpetuate this narrative of the false self than it is to actually confront the fact that we've been deluding ourselves with this narrative all along. When I invite you to let yourself be loved, to accept God's acceptance of you, to rest in God's resting in you, it's not at all cheap grace that I offer to you. It is the highest and the hardest calling. Why? Because we believe that God shares in all of our self-loathing. We believe that God is as obsessed with our imperfections as we are. We believe that God wants us to be something other than we already are because we don't like the version of ourselves that we see staring back at us in the mirror. Rather than learning to see ourselves through God's eyes, through the lens of heaven, we convince ourselves that God feels just as negatively about us as we do about ourselves. I tell you the truth, it is easier for us to try to ascend to heaven by ourselves than it is to accept that heaven has already descended into us regardless of ourselves. But whenever we learn to strive against all of our striving, that the only way to ascend to heaven is to let heaven fully rest in us, the mystical path of Christ's fullness will finally fully open up to us. Christ's fullness is not some delayed future event, but everything you are meant to experience and everything you are meant to become right now in this very moment. If you want to acquire heaven, then stop trying to enter it. If you want to become glorious, recognize that there is nothing left to become. If you want to experience the fullness of Christ, then stop trying to find him. Whenever we adopt this mindset that Jesus is someone we still need to find, we are implying that we don't already have him. As one famous mystic has said, if you want to find Christ, go back to the place where you left him. And the place where most of us last left him is the very place where we started looking for him. Truth is, there is no difference between the person you want to become and the Christ you already are. Thank you for joining me on my walk in the way of love. Until next time, stay safe and healthy and live in the power of the Holy Spirit.